This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the Old City of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. So tomorrow is the Day of Forgiveness, the Day of Atonement, where God basically does a factory reset for our lives. He resets everything and forgives the Jewish people. Gentiles might complain and say, well, that's unfair, you know, like, like here we've, we've, uh, you know, we have to live our whole lives only to like get the answer to our scorecard when we die. You get to like reset the system every single year. Hardly seems fear. Hardly seems fair. However, the, it is fair because, because Gentiles only have seven commandments, only five of which are thou shalt not. And you gotta be a real idiot to do any of those five anyway. So how how big how big is the plaque in their arteries? You know how big a a how much can that possibly mess them up? Whereas a Jew has fifty five thousand laws that they can potentially get wrong. There's uh, there's six hundred thirteen hyperlinks. Each of those hyperlinks leads to a website which breaks down into fifty five thousand laws. And what a Jew can do wrong inadvertently in one week, a Gentile couldn't do in their lifetime. And so we ha- the, we have to have that factory reset every year, and it's a and that factory reset that we get is really important because God is creating the world via these six hundred and thirteen. These, these are the pipes of creation. So if the Jews have a lot of plaque, meaning a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word a uh, uh, barrier. What's called the orla salev, or the the foreskin of the heart, like it's our hearts are covered over by, by sin. So then the so then the creation itself gets clogged, and so God does the rotor rooter and roots out the pipes once a year on Yom Kippur, cleans it out. And there's even a uh, there's even a discussion in in uh, from Mishnaic times whether the day itself atones without you doing a thing. Meaning you could just lie in bed or you go jet skiing or something. Like you just go do you could just eat cheeseburgers all day. You don't have to test. What? You don't have to test. Right. Well for every bite you'll get a terrible sin and be cut off spiritually from your people and then you'll be and then and then you'll be forgiven a second later. And then you take another bite and you're spiritually cast off from your people, like cut off spiritually, and then you're reinstated with forgiveness a minute later. So, but yes, you do have to fast. <laughs> don't don't try that. And by the way, the the rabbi who believed that I think it was Rebbe Rebbe Huda Nasi, and the um, we we do not hold like that. We hold that it, the reset happens because you actually embrace the day, which includes fasting and the prayer and the repentance. And by the way, don't forget to repent on Yom Kippur, because you could easily just go down the list of of. You know, the prescribed list, which is all in plural, because half those things you, you, like, you'd never even think to do. And yeah, you'd need a lot of imagination for some of the things on that list. And so why are you hitting your chest over those things? And the answer is, is you're not hitting your, your, it's not about you. It's about you and the other Jews that are connected to your soul, because there are 600,000 root souls, yet there are 13 million Jews, 14 million Jews. That comes out to about 25 people are walking around the planet who share your soul. Now, you may be a nice, good girl or boy who's keeping Yom Kippur and keeps Shabbat and keeps kosher and keeps all the other good stuff, but it could be many people whose soul you share um, do not keep that stuff. And therefore, you're, you're, by you 
having a proper Yom Kippur, you're cleaning up and resetting for them, who may not even be celebrating Yom Kippur at all. And it's not just them. You also have specifically connected to you, every Jew has connected to them, a certain amount of mineral, vegetable, animals, which will include all fish and fowl, and, um, and Gentiles. Each of us has a certain amount of Gentiles. I forget what the math was, but uh, uh, someone, if you have an Apple phone, just, uh, just typing the Google, uh, sorry, go in your calculator and calculate 7 billion divided by 13 million. And you'll see how many Gentiles each one of us could, if it were even, I doubt it's even, but if it were perfectly even, each one of us would have these Gentiles literally feeding off of our commandments. Like when you're doing a mitzvah, these, this amount of Gentiles, how many Gentiles? 7 billion, 7 what? 13, 13 million. 13 million. <laughs> You have 53 Gentiles counting on you. And, and, then, and every Jew has that, and that finally makes up all the Gentiles in the world. And, um, and the truth is, is if, you weren't such a, if you weren't keeping Judaism properly, they'd probably be extremely PO'd because they're, they're, they have their, their spiritual flow has been cut off because of you. So, so it's like they would, if they had any idea who you were, I would suggest buying a helmet. Because yeah? <laughs> they would come after you. And, and the Kabbalists explain this is anti-Semitism. Because deep down, the Gentiles know they're getting ripped off. They just don't know which Jew it is. And so they just go after the Jews themselves. Because they, they just don't know which Jew is the one messing them up. But if they did, they'd just go after that Jew. And, and lastly, before I take Bradley's question, lastly is is that, um, I don't remember. Bradley? Did every soul in the universe have an opportunity at one point to take on the Jewish responsibility? Like to become a Jewish soul? So, no, they haven't. But we do have a, a medrash that, that says that God offered the, you know, the major nations of the world, they were all offered the Torah. We have a, a yeah, we have an oral tradition that, that says that they were all offered the Torah. And, uh, but it's an oral tradition. It's like all our oral traditions. They're called Midrashim, and they're there to teach us certain lessons. I'm not going to go into that lesson right now. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Ah, I wouldn't say every Jew's had that opportunity, but certainly many have had the opportunity. And... Um, and they, and no matter where they are, they at least every Jew in the world could have asked the questions that would have led their, them to the answers. You know, it, it might have been quite a journey to get to the answers, but every Jew has that opportunity to ask the questions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't every Jew have that, that like, that part in their soul that, that pushes them towards that? Yeah, yeah, sure. But most Jews will will be one of the three Ds, which are d um, distracted, depressed, or devoted, and. And a lot of the Jews who have never discovered Judaism will just keep distracting themselves with more and more distractions. And, uh, and the, uh, you know, you'll notice Jews are driven to distraction more than anyone else. And when I say distraction, I'm talking about wealth, and I'm talking about artistry, and I'm talking about musicianship, and I'm talking about uh, creativity, and I'm talking about business, and I'm talking about real estate, and I'm talking about banking, and I'm talking about... All, just everywhere you will find the top of any industry or art or anything creative, you will find Jews there, distracting their hearts from Sinai, from the, from the, from God. Depressed 
depressed the second one is not everyone's so good at something. You know, not everyone, not everyone's so good at distracting themselves. So instead, they have this. I mean, this is one of the definitions of distraction of depression. Uh, Viktor Frankl uh, made this famous in his book *Man's Search for Meaning*. In his later therapy, he worked in a Holocaust survivor. He said that that when someone deep down has an unconscious knowledge that there's something really big out there, like really big and meaningful, but no one ever lets him know what that is, that causes an existential depression. It's a different kind of depression than people are used to talking about. It's called an existential depression. Raise your hand if you've ever felt an existential depression. Yes, you know what I'm talking about, where things are kind of meaningless. And Now, why should that bother you? I mean, today's millennials, you know, things being meaningless is fun. That means you get to do whatever you want with your, you know what's, you know. Things are meaningless. So shouldn't that be great? And the answer is, well, yes, if you're a Gentile, not if you're Jewish. Because if you have Mount Sinai in your, gen- if, in your genetics, if Mount Sinai is in your, the collective unconsciousness of the Jewish nation, and you've never been taught about Torah in any real way, meaning you might have been taught some religious stuff, but Judaism is not a religion. So if you were never taught Judaism from a core tribal level of our true ancestral heritage, so then you just think life's meaningless, except your heart says life's meaningful. But you never found the meaning. That leads to depression. Clear? And, uh, and that's, a, that's a pretty heavy depression. And the last is devoted, and that's people who actually embrace the tribal ancestry, our, our actual wisdom chain. And, and we're part of that as the wisdom tribe. And, and uh, we align our lives with that by avoiding the negatives and, and doing the positive commandments. And, and, uh, and so we're pretty hooked up. And the numbers prove themselves. Go check out some of the sociological findings they've found with people who actually are, are align themselves with Torah. You'll see that we are off the charts, whole index points on psychological charts above all of humanity. And, and you'll find also Jews rank very low compared to Gentiles when they're on, on the, when, when um, compared to secular people. For example, we make up per capita 40% more depressed people. With, on that existential depression, we make up 40% more depressed people than the Gentile population. So we, we're off the charts low, and, and also uh, we, we also have a, a rate of senility at the end of life. G- secular Jews have a rate of senility at the end of life much higher than Gentiles. Because, what? Senility is uh, losing your marbles at the end of your life. You know, old people lose their marbles after a while. But in, in my community of Torah scholars, the majority of the Torah scholars and their wives make their own breakfast the day they die. I mean, they are fully sufficient, self-sufficient. And in fact, their mastery of Torah, the greater mastery you have of Torah, likely will directly affect how long you'll live. And if you get so big in Torah that you become the actual question answerer for the generation, like you, there's always a number of people who are the answers of questions. If you can hit that category of wisdom, you will automatically live into your hundreds. No one's died before 100 years old in the last 50 years who's reached that category. You will live into your hundreds. Why that is is probably because the nation needs you, and God's going to make sure you stay, stay, you know, fit to, to you know. The whole nation's leaning on you. So, post-kim, exactly, very good. Yeah, they're called post-kim. Yeah. The day they die. They make their own breakfast. And then they lay down, they call all their kids, 
and their grandkids and their great-grandkids and their great-great-grandkids and the place fills with people and they bless everybody and they close their eyes and die. They know. People still do that stuff, you know, in our community they do that. Different ages, usually in the 80s and 90s. I guess they feel that's going to happen. They're ready. It's time. They're ready to go. And it's over. So they don't suffer. I don't know if the people on that level suffer, even if they were suffering. I'm not sure they call that suffering. What is suffering? Suffering is your relationship to facts. That's suffering. Yeah, they may get ill. I mean, God's got to take them out somehow. You know, they often get ill. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's get back to Yom Kippur. So, we learn that God treats us as we trust. We learn that God treats us as we treat others. We're coming up to the day of forgiveness. How are we, how are we supposed to treat others? With forgiveness. How many, raise your hand if there are people that you have not forgiven in your life. People who've harmed you, obviously. Raise your hand if there are people you haven't forgiven. Okay? And the rest of you are lying. Okay? Especially if you're doing this. <laughs> Not forgiving them. And then I'm going to raise my hand. Because this is my posture of not forgiving. So, anyway, everyone has people they haven't forgiven. And we're all going to ask God to forgive us tomorrow. And you're way worse than the people who've harmed you. Way worse. I mean, imagine, imagine, like, God's creating you, okay? You don't, your life doesn't create itself. Nothing creates itself. God creates us. So God's creating you 24-7. 60 seconds a minute. Okay? Over and over, he's just creating it and creating it and creating it and creating Now, imagine we had a clock, like an atomic clock that tells even the milliseconds and the seconds and the minutes. And at the end of the day, it tells you how much time during your last 24 hours you spent thinking about God creating you. How would you score? How would you score? Like 30 minutes. Nice. That's awesome. That's pretty good. 30 minutes. It's very honest, and it would be a pretty high score. And that would mean that someone spent their day meditating a bit, probably 30 minutes. You know, Because I think all of us have fleeting thoughts of God, but one who meditates on God would have 30 minutes, maybe more. Now, the... So we're worse. You understand? We're worse. I mean, can you imagine being married to someone who ignores you all the time? And that's not a person you need to, to like keep you keep your body being created with each moment. Like that's your person you're married to. But you imagine being married to someone who ignores you constantly. And here, God not only creates us but orchestrates our lives for us. Make sure you eat. Make sure you clothe. He's never left you down. Never let you down ever. And the worst stuff that ever happened to you is the stuff that made you grow the most. It's, it's slowly turning you into one of the world's teachers. Which means you'll be able to give like God. Because the point is to be like God. But we got to forgive, back to Yom Kippur, we got to forgive the people in our lives if we aren't expecting God to forgive us. <laughs> Maybe. What I was saying is the stuff we've suffered has made us into the best people we could be. And because we've become these great people, that makes great people automatically our teachers because 
when you're when you have greatness, you share the greatness, and and that makes you like God. And then you get to sleep well at night because you you know can you imagine. I mean, how much better would you sleep if someone let you know that day what a difference you made for them? There's nothing better. There's nothing better. So I think that pro- that's probably part of the reason we all want to be parents is because we want to make a difference for somebody. Okay, so we all want to forgive. So what, I'm li- what I'd like to do is share with you the five steps of forgiveness so you can forgive these people once and for all. And do the five steps of forgiveness. And uh, that's nice. There's a heart on the board. So we're going to do the five steps of forgiveness. I apologize if this hits you. Yes. I know it looks really easy, but it's not easy. From this angle, that's my graveyard of pins. At this angle, you have a very small aperture between this ceiling feature and the, and the shelf. I don't make it so often. Okay, so we're talking about for giving because you will not give to somebody if you resent them. Okay, so this is all forgiving so that you can get back to godliness, which is giving. And God is constantly creating the world, which is the ultimate giving. And so forgiving will lead you to become someone who is giving. Yeah, so forgiving. So there are five steps in forgiving. I mean, I'm sure there's more than that, but, but we'll do five. So the first step is that, is that resentment is, is poisonous. The, the, it's been proven that you know, different emotional states cause different excretions in your bloodstream, and, and uh, resentment's one of the killers. Resentment's a killer. It'll it'll age you like nothing else, man. You want to look old? <laughs> you want to look old, young? Hold resentment in. Uh, it creates all kinds of things, including constipation. You know, just hold stuff in, man. So so that's number one. Is it is it's it's poisonous, and uh, and when you forgive. Well, let's just call resentment. Another way of saying it is a resentment is when you wish someone would die, but you drink the poison. When you wish someone would die, but you drink the poison. And when you forgive someone, it's when you let someone out of jail only to discover that that person is you. Someone miss that? Want to hear that one again? That's a good one. Forgiveness is when you let someone out of jail only to realize that person is you. Okay, so that's part of forgiveness. Yeah. Put them in jail or something. Shui gives the perfect segue. The next, you gave the first perfect segue, and that is you gift forgiveness. 
there are normally forgiveness is not a gift. People actually ask for it, and that's very humbling to ask for it. It's humiliating, really, to come up to somebody and say you're you know you blew it. Not too many people have the courage to do that. And so what do we do? We just never forgive them because they never really asked. They didn't take ownership over what they did. And so we're just not going to forgive them, except what? We're still drinking the poison. And so therefore, what, do we, what kind of forgiveness we give? Everyone say, the gift of forgiveness. Say that? The gift of forgiveness. You didn't say it. Say the gift of forgiveness. And the gift of forgiveness means that you're going to not, you're going to stop waiting for their apology and you're just going to spit out the poison of resentment and gift it. Straight out gift it. Someone gifted me a forgiveness recently. Um, some lady some lady uh, uh, I mean it took her like 32 years to finally get the courage to like reach out to a rabbi and she reached out to me and I totally ignored her. Now, it just so happens that I didn't read those messages because I don't use Facebook messaging. But I got it. I did thank God. I was like, I was like on my way into the bathroom, like, I don't know, it was Saturday night last week. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was. It was like Saturday night. And I, I just see, you know how on uh, phones, when our phones are off, it'll still flash on that something came in? So what came in? A Facebook message, which I ignore because I don't use it. I'm, I'm an alpha poster. You know what an alpha poster is? You post, you don't look at stuff. Yeah. You just you're an alpha poster. Okay. So you post, but you don't look at everyone else's stuff. That's very beta to be like going through people the news feed. You know, it's not real men don't look at news feeds. Okay. So anyway, the. Um, anyway, this ladies. Thank God I saw this. And what did it say? It said that I forgive you. I didn't... I thought it was spam, actually. I thought it was spam, just like it was going to be a cool poetic thing on like, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, for forgive But I, I opened it up and, you know, just to make sure it wasn't spam, maybe it is actually to me. And it was. And she, she went through a pretty rough time and, and many months of eating her heart out that like... The rabbi that everyone keeps saying is so cool and caring and giving and loves and like the right guy for you to reach out to. And she she got dissed. She forgave me. No, it didn't ask. She wasn't asking me to even say anything back. It was just I forgive you. I'm letting this go because it's hurt, it's hurting me too much. And and I immediately called her. <laughs> Hi, this is Rabbi Glazer. I don't really use Facebook messaging. Yeah. Once in a while, I go on it, and you know, I see something there, and I'm like, "Here's my WhatsApp number." You know, and which, by the way, I appreciate people send me WhatsApps and stuff. I want to be all the more connected to the world around me as possible, and also feedback. Like anyone, anyone, I get once in a while, I'll get a WhatsApp. It'll always come right when I'm like having a really down day, and I'll just be like. Why do I exist? Why do I exist? Why do I exist? And then, bing! And it's like, Rabbi Glazer, you changed my life. And I'm like, thank you. I guess I'll hang around another day. You know? So, so yeah, my WhatsApp, if anyone wants my WhatsApp, it's plus 972, if you want to put it in there. Yeah, you can also ask me questions. 
plus 972-52834-4664, plus 972-52834-4664. Appreciate feedback, questions. I love when I say, I, I mean, you say something inaccurate once in a while. And like people Google it and they're like, that was totally wrong. So let me know. I don't want to repeat something inaccurate. So like, help me. You know, let's work together. Let's be a, let's be a community, you know. And it's not just one way, this technology and stuff. And so be, be in connection with me. And, uh, and the ultimate connection is to be part of my club. I have a media club that's working to get as much of this out as possible that more and more people have relevant Torah to hear. That will make a big difference for them, Jews and Gentiles. So please, uh, please join the club. What's it called? YomTovMediaClub.com. So YomTovMediaClub.com. And, uh, and that automatically puts you in a very special place in my heart. And one last thing, by the way, if anyone does WhatsApp me and I don't reply, probably because your WhatsApp got avalanched by like 30 other WhatsApps, three of which were emergencies. And uh, sorry, you know, like I'm, I'm going to deal with the emergency WhatsApps. And by the end of my day, there's 30 more on top of those 30. And now yours is 60 down. And I don't, your name's not in my phone. If you're like all the other idiots, no offense, who think that the little picture, the little circle on WhatsApp's to a picture of the sunset or your kids or, or like a horse you saw, like that's a great way to never get answered is, is think that that your profile picture is supposed to be a photo of a, a nice car or something or, or your company logo. It's like, no, I, you're way at the end of my list of anyone I'm replying to. You know, that's even if your name's in my phone. Because your name's in my phone. It's listed with a bunch of other names. But if your face is staring at me, I'm like, hey, that guy needs me. That lady needs me. You understand? Like, like I'm going to at least click on it and read the first line or two if your face is there. Because it's human. There's not a lot of human with social media. And like, who in the world thought to put anything but their face on there? I, have no, I mean, I opened it up. I was like, okay, what's up? How do you use this? It says, well, open your account. So I like put my name and... You know, and there, oh, there's a picture. Okay, click, you know. It's like, obviously, people, are, you know, want to see you. They don't want to see your dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect way to not get answered. Anyway, if your WhatsApp got avalanched, if your WhatsApp got avalanched, just put it back to the top 24 hours later. Just send an arrow pointing upward. Just send an arrow. If it's really important, write that every day. <laughs> it just pop, it just pops it back to the top. I mean, you could put a picture of Mickey Mouse, but it gets it back up to the top of the deck. Yeah. Put your card back on top. It's so easy, but I'm sure everyone gets so dramatic. You know, obviously he doesn't care about me, and you know that's why he didn't answer. It's like people today sending resumes. I was just hearing Jordan Peters on my way back from surfing. So he was saying that people get all bent out of shape that someone didn't answer their resume. You know, no company said, oh, yeah, we'd like to interview you. Except what? Resumes today are online. So the second they went online, every company would get 10,000 resumes a day. They had to hire people just to read resumes. And the last thing they're going to do... I assume you want an extra five minutes. Thank you. 
The last thing, the last thing they're going to do is answer your resume. Like that's not where you're going to get answered. I think it's ninety-eight percent resumes don't even get read. So like, but then you're not going to work for another half a year because you you were rejected. No one even read it. Never got anywhere. You'd have to send out ninety-eight resumes to get it read once. Thank you. Is give the gift of forgiveness. Step number four, meaning without the masking, just gift it. Step number four is God. Oh, thank you so much. Step number three is God doesn't make mistakes. We could just call it God. Okay, God doesn't make mistakes. Think about it. You are like totally convinced that God must have been like, I don't know, maybe he was like distracted that day when you wound up in some horrible crash and burn relationship, you know, and he didn't protect you. You know, or he was distracted that day when some car like came shooting through a red light and just creamed you. You know, like God just wasn't like he wasn't paying enough attention or something. Yeah, he was busy. I don't know, some group of ants climbing a tree in the Amazon, like had an aardvark coming up, and God was busy. Listen, God's not too busy for you. God is running your seminar. You're in a giant personal growth seminar, and your job is to obviously get, get yourself as cleaned out as possible so your energy is super clean and you only get clean stuff coming at your coming your way but until you're there you're probably going to get all kinds of stuff until you surrender to the fact that you've got scrappy without the s energy and you're attracting scrap without the s into your life okay and god, you're in god's seminar in god's god's world this is a this is a simula a digital simulation everything works vibrationally and you work vibrationally and if you're not clean you will have vibrational feedback coming your way and God set it up that way. And there's no coincidences. Zero coincidences. God does not make mistakes. This place is with extreme precision. precision. Everything's shooting across the room right now. Digitally. Hitting your eardrum. Going to the brain. The brain's just neurons firing or not firing. Which is ones and zeros. Purely, purely binary. And everything's digital. Okay. I lost my pen. There it is. Yeah, we're going to move faster now. And uh, number four is that um, that uh, you must bless your enemies. Meaning, I call it bless your enemies just because I heard it stated that way, but but. What it means is you need to bless them. When you're feeling that resentment towards them, you're, 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 all you're doing is creating more perpetrators in the world. And I don't think you want that. I don't think you had in mind. I mean, you can't help but curse someone who harms you, but now you've cursed. That, that person's not only harms you, probably has harmed others, probably is harming others, and they got a curse from each one of them on them. Bless your enemies, meaning, meaning bless them. What, what, you don't have to give them a blessing that they get a new Cadillac. You can give them a blessing that they have what's called in Hebrew a refuah shalema. It's still a blessing. A refuah shalema means a speedy recovery or a full recovery. 
They should recover. They should heal. They should meet the right people at the right times and heal their lives so that there's less harm happening in the world. Bless them. And last but not least, at least for today, is um, is that it's crummy for you. <laughs> I don't have the right word for that. It's crummy for you. Someone can help me with this one. Um, when, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I, I, what is crummy? It's it's bad for you. Um, walking around with resentment of others is just like, yeah, that's just not healthy stuff. And it's also, it's also makes you a bit of the victim. And everyone knows, like, victims, like people, people who like to harm people love victims. And so it's really crummy energy to to be walking around all day resentment of what people did to you because you're just going to get more and more of that. You know, people uh, in America, there's a one percent. Uh, there's a 1% chance of assault in America, but if a woman is assaulted, she should now have statistically like a minus 250 million chance, but now her chance goes up to 40% of assault once she's been a victim once. And so when we hold on to stuff, we ourselves have this, um, we ourselves get kind of into victim mode. It becomes our great excuse for never carrying on and and why we never tried again, and et cetera, et cetera. And we, we just go into victim mode, and we wind up with really lousy interactions because we're attracting just the right people, just the wrong people for our vibrations, for, meaning people are going to be attracted towards those people. Like even today when I finished surfing, I, I told the guy that I drove, part of my issue, Rabbi, why I was so late, I told the guy that I had a meeting with him, so I met with him in the car to the ocean and to the, in the car back. So what did I do? I lock all my valuables in the car and everything. I'm just wearing surf shorts. And I told him, when I'm done surfing, I'll call you. Except where's my phone? In the car. Where are the keys? With him. Because it's perfect. I had someone to hold the keys. He's waiting for my call the whole time until he finally put two and two together. Sitting in some cafe in Ashdod that I'm not going to be able to call him. But anyway, I left my surfboard in the shade of my car and went looking around the cafes. Now, no one would be an idiot to leave their surfboard sitting by their car at Channel Islands from Santa Barbara a bunch of, amongst a bunch of Israeli surf rats, except for me. And I sat there for a second. Do I put it down? Eye candy for Israeli surfers? Would I go around the cafes with my board? <laughs> you know? And said, well, the right thing to do for most people is because they've been victims of th- thievery, Take it with you because you obviously have some stickiness of thieves on you and they sense you and they sense your stuff and they go after it. I, on the other hand, can just lay my surfboard right here next to my car and I'll be back later. And I went around for 10 minutes to the cafes. You think my board was there? Yes. I bet it was there. No one even probably even saw it because it has this invisible invisibility magical spell. <laughs> Shalom, everybody. Shana Tova, and may God please forgive you specifically and everyone in general. Shalom. Number five, it's it. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.